I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. If you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there. It's page 909 in the Pew Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we'll read 1 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Looking at verses 1 through 15. If you found your place there in God's word, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. And hear the word of the Lord. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich and in this matter i give my judgment this benefits you for uh, this benefits you who are who a year ago started not only to do this work but also to desire to do it so now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness is in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden but that as a matter of fairness your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness as it is written whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack let's go to the lord in prayer heavenly father we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we do pray that you would write its eternal truth on our, all our hearts this morning, Lord. Lord, as we study about gracious giving, Lord, uh, Lord, turn our hearts to see your gracious gift in Jesus Christ. And modeling your graciousness, Lord, let us give freely of all that you have provided for us. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we begin the new year here, and as you are looking to grow in your relationship with Christ and in your, your likeness to Christ, as you are looking to model Christ in 2024, I want to encourage you this morning to model gracious giving. Model gracious giving. Scripture indicates to us that our attitude toward money and possessions is a kind of barometer for our spiritual life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, For the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice that the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The love of money and the love of possessions leads us to an obsessive greed. It leads to an obsessive kind of greed that can never, ever be quenched. I love John D. Rockefeller. One time, the, he was the, the richest man in the world at one time, and, and one, a, a reporter asked him when he was the richest man in the world. He says, how much money is enough? And John D. Rockefeller said, a little bit more, a little bit more. You see, that kind of greed can never be quenched. There's always more and more and more. You've got to have more and more and more. So uh, that kind of worldly greed is never, ever, ever quenched. And it causes us to be pierced with many pangs in life, as Paul notices there. Furthermore, the love of money and possession draws us away from God. When we love money and we love possessions, and that's our drive in life, that leads us away from our relationship with Christ. Jesus warns in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on to say, the light, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't be greedy for gain and serve the Lord your God. That just does not work. The two do not mix. Well, the cure for worldly greed is gracious giving. The cure for worldly greed is gracious giving. Instead of looking at money like this, holding on to it like this, the cure is to let it go, to be a gracious giver. So today I want you to share with you a model for gracious giving found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Or Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses one through fifteen. Now we're only going to focus on a, a little portion of that, but uh, we we see this whole picture here in in verses one through fifteen. So let, let me kind of tell you what's going on here, what's taking place in in Corinth here. Paul is is taking up a collection for the Christians in Jerusalem, who have come upon some financial uh, financially hard times. And this could, is due to either persecution or famine, or perhaps even both. And so it, it could be either or. We, we have evidence that there was a famine going on in Jerusalem. And so Scripture tells us about that. In fact, one of my readings in, in the Bible this week we talked about the, the famine that was taking place in Jerusalem. And so they were taking collection to help the, the Christians there in Jerusalem get through this famine. But there was also persecution in Jerusalem. And so we see that in the first part of Acts. As the, the Christians come under persecution, uh, they're kind of, kind of getting pushed out. And people, Jews, don't want to trade with them. And so it could be some of that as well. And so you have these two factors, this famine going on, and you have persecution that has caused the, the Christians in Jerusalem to struggle. And so Paul is taking up a collection through the churches, the churches that he has planted, 
over the years, over the few years here he's been in ministry, he's taking up a collection to go help these Jews in Jerusalem through this time of famine. The Corinth church started the collection, and now Paul is encouraging them to continue the collection. In fact, he sent Titus there to continue the collection uh, that the Corinthians had started before because he's getting ready to come through and, and take up the collection. So he says, when I come through, I want you to have it all together. I want you to be a good witness to to those that I bring along with me so that they can see your generosity, your gracious giving. And so he's encouraging them. As he encourages the Christians to complete the collection, he provides this model for gracious giving in in the churches of Macedonia. Now, I have a map here kind of give you this idea uh, of what we're looking at. So uh, does this thing work here? Uh-oh. It may not work. Oh, there, uh, you probably can't see that. But anyway, here's Greece right there. You see the foot of Italy there, the boot of Italy, and over here is Greece. Well, Macedonia, that's the area up here at the top. And the, the northern part of, of Greece and Macedonia, that, that made up of Thessalonica, the churches of Thessalonica, of Philippi, of uh, Berea. All of those churches were the Macedonian churches. And so the churches up here in Macedonia had taken a collection. And Paul is writing to Corinth, which is down here in the peninsula here, and down here around Achaia, Achaia and uh, they're in the peninsula. And so he is Talking about the Macedonians, they've made this great collection, and we're going to see their example as we work through this text. But then he's talking to the Corinthians and encouraging them to to give according to their ability. And so Macedonia, as we're going to see, Macedonia is not a, a wealthy region. At one time it was a wealthy region, but now it's not a wealthy region. Macedonia, you remember, was where... Uh, Alexander the Great, he ruled from Macedonia. He was from Macedonia. And so when he was ruler over his Grecian empire, Macedonia was a very wealthy province. But as the Romans took over the Grecian empire, guess what? They stripped it of all of the wealth. And they took that wealth back with them to Rome. So Macedonia is not a wealthy place anymore. And so we're going to see that uh, they're, they're giving not out of their wealth, but out of their actual, uh, out of their poverty. So in verses 9, and, at 9 through 6, as Paul sets the Macedonians up as this model of gracious giving, we see here six marks of gracious giving. Six marks of gracious giving. So let's just work through these and see these as we go through here. First of all, we see that gracious giving is grounded in God's grace. Man, this is so important. Gracious giving is grounded in God's grace, His grace toward us. Look at verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. It's about the grace of God. They are giving out of the grace of God. Their giving is based upon the very grace of God. That's where we start. And he sums this up down in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Why do we give? Do we give to get applauded by others? Do we give to feel good about ourselves? No. None of those reasons will do. Uh, Some people give for that reason, right? A lot of people, and especially in the worldly model, in the worldly model, you give to receive the applause of men. People give, so they, 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 they give it very publicly so that people can see their gift and, and give them praise, and maybe they can get a building named after them or, or something like that. But that's not the, 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 that's not the motive 
for Christian giving. It should never be the motive for Christian giving. Paul says our motive for giving, the ground for our giving, is God's grace towards us. It's because we've received a great gift from God himself. And that great gift is Jesus Christ himself. God the Son, who was rich. He was king of the universe. All things belong to him. Everything was his. And he willingly gave up his heavenly throne and stepped down into this world, stepped into poverty to give us his kingdom. Philippians chapter 2 says it like this. If I can get there. Philippians chapter 2 tells us, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to be held on to too tightly. He was in the form of God, but he, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, held on tightly to, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He became nothing so that we could have his eternal kingdom. We give because God first gave to us. And God's gracious gift to us must be the motivation for all of our giving. It must be the motivation for all of our giving as beneficiaries of God's wonderful, saving grace, we give out of gratitude for all that God has given us through Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, we are blessed in Christ Jesus. And because of God's blessing upon us, His gracious blessing upon us, we give to others who are in need. So gracious giving is grounded in, it is motivated by God's gracious gift to us. So gracious giving is grounded in God's grace. Second, gracious giving is generous giving. It is generous giving. Now what is generous giving? Well, look at verse 2 there. For in a severe test of affliction, these Macedonians... In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. In a severe test of affliction, in extreme poverty, they give generously with joy. Notice what generous giving looks like. Number one, generous giving transcends situations and circumstances. Generous giving transcends situations and circumstances. The, the Macedonians, again, they're in a severe test of affliction. They're in extreme poverty. They're living in a region of the world at this point in time that is, is not a wealthy region. Oh, there's wealth there. There are wealthy people who are there. Uh, but, but that's not a wealthy region. It, it's been stripped of, of much of its wealth when the Romans conquered the, the Grecian Empire. And for a lot of the Christians there, they're, they're, they're suffering poverty and not wealth. But not only that, they're suffering affliction. We know from the book of Acts that there was a lot of persecution taking place there in the Macedonian churches. Paul, when he went there and planted the, the church in Philippi, Acts tells us that he was put in prison in Philippi. Why? Because... He freed this uh, demonic, this demon-possessed girl, this de demon-possessed girl who was following him around, talking about him. He, he freed her of this demon, and that caused the, her owners to be disgruntled with Paul. They didn't like Paul any, after that because that, she was their cash cow, right? She was the, the, their way of making a profit, and Paul freed her of this demon 
And they had Paul put into prison. And so there was this persecution. People there didn't like the people turning to Christianity and leaving all those pagan religions. They didn't like it. And so they began to persecute the Christians. As some of the uh, Gentiles became Christians in Thessalonica, Acts chapter 17, verses 5 through 9 tells us that some of the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, who was a Christian, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason. They were looking for Paul and Silas and all the others, but they couldn't find them. And so they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, King Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were uh, disturbed when they heard these things and when they had taken money as security from jason and the rest they let them go and so there's this affliction there's this persecution going on there on top of their extreme poverty and paul says that their situation their circumstances did not cause them or keep them from giving Gracious giving, generous giving transcends situations and circumstances. Dear friend, it doesn't matter how much you make or how little you make. That does not affect generous giving. It does not affect generous giving. Generous giving transcends situation and circumstances. Furthermore, generous giving overflows with joy. They were, they were under severe persecution. They were under a severe test of affliction. There was extreme poverty but their abundance of joy, with an abundance of joy, it overflowed in a wealth of generosity towards the Jews who were in Jerusalem suffering this time of, of famine. It overflowed in joy. They rejoiced in giving. They had little to give, but what they did give, they gave with great joy. With great joy. Generous giving overflows with joy. Furthermore, generous giving counts others more significant. Generous giving counts others more significant than ourselves. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. I just read a little after that, 5 on. But here, uh, 3 through 4 tells us this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but with, in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you... Look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. That's what the Macedonians were doing. Oh, they could have sat, sat around and said, Oh, woe is us. Poor us. We have little to give. Oh, yeah, we know there's a need to be filled, but we just don't have much. But they didn't do that. With whatever little bit they had, they said, We rejoice to give unto the Lord to give to the work of the Lord to give to those who have a need that's generous giving it doesn't matter what situation you're in it doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have if you give with joy unto the Lord that's generous giving the Macedonians showed exemplified generous giving gracious giving is marked by true generosity having more concern for others than ourselves and giving with joy as unto the lord so gracious giving is grounded in god's grace it's generous giving third gracious giving is sacrificial giving it is sacrificial giving. Look at verse 3 there. It is sacrificial for they gave, the Macedonians gave, according to their means, as I can testify, Paul says, 
and beyond their means of their own accord. They gave according to their means, but then above, beyond even their means. Notice what, what he's saying here. Number one, gracious giving is proportionate. Right? It's proportionate. Uh, it, it, they gave according to, to what they could give. So everyone doesn't give the same. All the members of the Macedonian, different Macedonians church, they, they, there wasn't a set amount. It wasn't like, oh, all right, let's all give $20. It wasn't a set amount, but, but each one gave according to their means, what they had. So some gave more, some gave a little less, but they gave according to their means. But, but it didn't just stop where it was easy. Paul says, not only did they give according to their means, but even beyond their means. In other words, they dug a little deeper. They dug a little deeper. That they gave until it hurt a little bit. Yeah, they gave until it became uncomfortable to, to give. They gave sacrificially. And you know, when we give sacrificially, when we give until it kind of hurts a little bit, when we give to that point where we're kind of like, mm, I'm not sure, I mean, this, is gonna, this, this might put me in a little bind here. When we give that way, what are we doing? We're trusting in the Lord. And that's what they were doing. They understood, the Macedonians understood, they understood that all that they had belonged to the Lord anyway. And if God gave them, as God gave them what they had, God certainly could provide for them on down the road and so trusting in the Lord they gave according to their means and beyond their means trusting that God could take care of them they gave sacrificially they gave sacrificially we see an example here in Luke chapter 21 verses 1 through 4 Jesus looked upon uh, Jesus looked up, he and his disciples there, they were in the temple in Jerusalem, and Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And then he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, two pennies, and we might think, two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others. For they all contribute out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So Jesus looks up and he sees all the wealthy. They're coming in, they're dropping in $20, $100, $50, whatever. They're, they're putting in their amount. But they're, they're giving out of their wealth. It's not hurting them a bit. I mean, that's just spare change out of the, coming out of their pocket, and they're putting it in the offering box. And Jesus says, look at them. They're giving. Yes, that's great. They're giving. But here's this poor widow woman. She comes in, and she digs out. That's all that she has, these two copper coins. That's all she has to her name. But she wants to give to the Lord. And she knows that tomorrow she's going to have to figure out how to, how to buy supper. She knows she's going to have to find, figure out how she's going to make it the next day, but she wants to give to the Lord, and she sacrificially gives all that she has to live on, trusting that the Lord will provide for her come supper time. That's sacrificial giving. See, a lot of us, especially here in America, a lot of us don't know that kind of giving. We, we give great amounts of money. We can give great, a great amount of money. I mean, this church, with the few members that we have, we have a, great, a, a pretty substantial budget because we all give faithfully. But most of us don't give until it hurts. We, most of us don't give until it hurts. If we gave until it hurt a little bit, oh, what could we do? See, gracious giving goes beyond just giving while it's easy. And it sacrifices a little bit. It gives a little bit more. It goes beyond. 
It gives till it hurts a little bit. It gives until you're putting your faith, your trust in God rather than your ability to make money. Gracious giving is sacrificial giving. Gracious giving is sacrificial giving. Gracious giving is grounded in God's grace. It is generous, it's sacrificial. Fourth, gracious giving is voluntary giving. It is voluntary giving. Look there at the end of that verse there. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Of their own accord. It is voluntary giving. It is voluntary giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. We're going to look at this next week, but uh, just kind of give you a preview. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. It is voluntary giving. We see this same example even in the Old Testament. A lot of people think in the Old Testament it was all mandatory. Right? You had to give. Well, it's expected to give, certainly. God expects his people to give, but it must be voluntary even in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 25, verse 2, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. Whose heart moves him. Right? It's not mandatory. It's not like give, give. I'm going to watch you and make sure you give what you get, what you're supposed to give, right? No, it's, it's out of the heart. It's voluntary. If it's mandatory, then what good is that? There's no love in mandatory giving. Right? The government says, you're going to give this amount of money. You, you make this amount, you're going to give this amount of money. I have no love in my heart when I go pay my taxes. I just don't. I mean, I love my country, and I want, certainly want to support my country, and, and I want to pay my fair share, obviously, uh, I like the roads that we have, and, well, usually. Uh, sometimes when they're, when they're kept up, right? We, well, that's what we give for. But, but there's no love in my heart when I, I go to the tax collector and I have to write that check. Because it's mandatory. Well, giving as a Christian is not mandatory. Now, we can say, and, and we do say as a member of First Bastrop, we expect our members to give because Christians should be expected to give. We, we have experienced God's grace in our life, and, and we're expected to give. But let me tell you, I'm, I'm, not, looking, I'm not going down the road every week and making sure everybody gives, right? I, I, I don't know what anybody in here gives. I don't know how much you give and how much you don't give. I don't know that. And I'm not going to call you up and tell you, hey, you, you should be giving more or, or whatever. Right? It's not a mandatory thing. Yes, we expect our members to give. And if you take our new members class, our connections class, I'll tell you, we expect, you, we expect our members to give. But it's not mandatory. It's voluntary. You give because you want to give. You give because you want to support the ministry that God is doing in this church and through this church out to the world. And so it must be voluntary. It must be from the heart. It's an expectation, but it's not a requirement. Jesus never required Zacchaeus to give. But having experienced God's grace in his life, Zacchaeus voluntarily gave graciously. Luke chapter 19, verses 8 through 10. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus didn't say, now Zacchaeus, if you want to be saved, then you got to give all your money away. If you want to be saved, then you, you got to give first and then be saved. No, Jesus didn't say that. 
Jesus didn't require anything of Zacchaeus. He shared with him the good news of God's salvation through him, through Jesus. Zacchaeus received that. And because of God's grace in his life, Zacchaeus voluntarily and freely gave back to the poor, back to those whom he had defrauded. He freely and voluntarily gave. Gracious giving is voluntary giving. So gracious giving, grounded in God's grace, it's generous giving, it's sacrificial giving, it's voluntary giving. Number, number five, gracious giving is a privilege. It is pri- it's a privilege to give. It is a privilege to give. Here we see, in, look in verse four. Look at verse four. Notice what he says there. They begging us, the Macedonians, they, they gave of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor, for the grace. That word there for favor is the same word used for grace in the, the Greek. They begged us for the favor, for the grace of taking part in the relief of the saints. They begged us. Oh, you Macedonians, man, y'all, y'all got it bad here. Yeah, there's a famine going on in Jerusalem, but, but man, y'all, y'all got it bad here. Please, Paul, please let us give. Please have favor on us. Please let us experience God's grace in this. Let us be a part of this giving. Please let us give. You see, they saw that it was a privilege to give to the Lord. To give to those who were in need, the brothers and sisters in need. They saw it as a privilege and they begged for the opportunity. Man, giving is a privilege. We see this also in Philippians, going back to Philippians here. Philippians chapter 4, remember Philippi, the church in Philippi, that was a part of that Macedonian cohort there. They were part of the churches of Macedonia. And in in Philippians chapter 4, verses um, 10 through 20, we see here the Philippians, even then, this is long before they're taking up this collection, but the Philippians are, are given to the ministry of the Lord, to Paul's ministry, his missionary ministry. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern, you have, excuse me, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to be how to abound. And in, any, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. Paul says, Philipp, uh, Philipp, Philippi, you church in Philipp, and Philippi, you were sharing my trouble. And you Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, that is, in the beginning of his gospel ministry there in Greece, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, that was just down from Philippi, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. We'll get to that in a little bit. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says to the Philippians, when I was down in Thessalonica, when I just when I left your place and went down to Thessalonica and I began to share the gospel there, even then, even at that point, at the very beginning, you started sending me support and you started supporting my ministry. 
you joined, you shared in my ministry to help me get along the way. See, it's a privilege to give. It, that when we give, when we give to the gospel ministry, when we give to the church, when we give to other missionaries and, and other things like that, we are joining in the work that God is doing as a privilege because we're getting to, to join in and be a part of that. We're getting to be a part of that. Gracious giving is a privilege for Christians. You don't have to give, but you get to give to advance the gospel throughout the world. I have this. Somebody asked me about this a while ago. What, what's that? It's a little hand-carved statue that uh, a missionary actually gave me this. It's a little fisherman, and he's got his net here, and there's some fish caught up in his net there. But a uh, missionary gave me this, and he wrote on the bottom of it, Matthew 4, 19. Matthew 4, 19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Missionary gave me this little statue because I was on a, a mission trip and I was helping them and supporting them. And, and he told me when he gave me this, he says, when you support us out here on the mission field, when you support me out on the mission field, you join in the work. You become a fisher of men here where I'm working through your support. You see, that's the truth. We're not all called to international missions. We're not all called to foreign missions. We're not called to uh, mission to be church planners. Not all of us are called to that. But when we give to the gospel ministry, when we give to the international mission board, when we give to the, st uh, the national mission board, when we give, we become fishers of men by supporting them as they fish for men. We join in the work. We become partners in those ministries. As you give to this church, you're not only joining in the ministry of this church, but you're also joining in the ministry as we give to the International Mission Board, as we give to the North American Mission Board, as we give to our local association. You join in all of those works. It's a privilege to give. It is a privilege to give, to work in what God is doing, not only here, but to the ends of the earth. It is a privilege to give. Gracious giving is a privilege. Gracious giving, grounded in God's grace, it's motivated by God's grace, it's generous giving, it's sacrificial giving, it's voluntary giving, it is a privilege. And number six, gracious giving is worship. Gracious giving is worship. Notice verse 5 in our text. Verse 5. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. They gave themselves first to the Lord. First to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord. It, it was an act of worship as the, the Macedonian churches gave. It was an act of worship. They were living in obedience to God's call on their life, what God was moving them to do. It was an act of worship. It was an act of worship. They were worshiping the Lord through their giving. Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When we give, as God moves us to give to the gospel ministry, whatever that looks like, when we give, that's an act of worship. It's not just giving money to some organization. Although that, that can be good and great in itself. But it's not just giving money to the organization. You're giving it as unto the Lord. And it's an act of worship. That's why we take up the offering. You know, there for a while after COVID, we were just, uh, just dropping in the boxes because, we, you know, we didn't want to have to pass the plate. But, but we, 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 had, we got away with that. I mean, we, we got away, uh, away from that, right? We, we did away with that. We're like, no, we need to pass the plate. 
We need to take up an offering every Sunday because giving is not just putting something in a box. It is an act of worship. It's bringing what God has given us and saying, here, Lord, I want to give a portion and and thanks to you and what you've done in my life. I want to give a portion back to you for whatever you, you see fit to do with it. I want to join you in what you're doing, and I want to give an offering back to you. It is an act of worship. When you give, it is an act of worship. It's part of worship. Just like singing, just like listening to the preaching of God's Word, it's an act of worship. It's saying, I'm sacrificing a little bit, at least a little bit of what you've given. You've given it all to me. And thanks of what you've given, I want to sacrifice a little bit and give it back for your work, whatever you're doing, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Gracious giving is an act of worship. It's offering back to the Lord what he has already given to us. We need to model gracious giving. We need to model gracious giving. Here are a few ways that we can give. How can you give? How can you model gracious giving, the, the gracious giving of the Macedonians? Well, here are some ways that we have that you can give. Of course, you can give to the regular offering. And I always say, uh, the tithe is a good place to start. Scripture recommends a tithe that is 10% of your gross income. So whatever your income is, whether it be from retirement or from a job or, or whatever, 10% of your, your gross income Give unto the Lord. That's a good starting point. And so that's where we encourage our members to start at least with the tithe. Giving 10% back unto the Lord. So you can give to the regular offering. Give the tithe in the regular offering. You can also give to the love offering for Jesus. That's above and beyond the tithe. So our love offering for Jesus, it's kind of a a collection that we do every year, and there's a lot of things that we give to out of that collection. So in the love offering for Jesus, we give to Lottie Moon, we give to Annie Armstrong, we give to Georgia Burnett, uh, we give to King's Camp, Global Hunger, and the Children's Home. All of those are in that. In 2023, let you know, we we ended up collecting $15,080 in 2023 in our love offering for Jesus. So in that, the way we determined we were going to portion that out, you ended up giving $8,294 to International Missions, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That's the International Missions. $3,016 went to Annie Armstrong, which is our North American Mission Board. So you gave that much to North American Missions. $1,508 went to Georgia Burnett. That's state mission, so all that money stays here in the state of Louisiana to plant churches and that sort of thing throughout Louisiana. $754 went to King's Camp. Another $754 went to Global Hunger. And another $754 went to our Louisiana Baptist Children's Home down in Monroe. So thank you. Thank you for giving in 2023 to all of those organizations. I want to encourage you this year, and I'm going to challenge our church this year. Let's step it up a bit. We gave 15,000 last year. Let's step it up. Let's give 20,000 this next year. Let's give 20,000. Give to our love offering for Jesus. Let's get up to 20,000 so that we can support all of these gospel-centered ministries that we give to. So you can give to a love offering for Jesus. You, you can also give to individual missionaries. We have people who support uh, Owen and Caitlin Hughes who are working there in Wales. Others are giving to other missionaries that we've met along the way. And so you can give to missionaries individually to help their, support their ministries wherever they may be. And of course, The way you start this is first you begin by praying, praying to the Lord. Lord, what will you have me to give? In fact, here in a minute, we have this moment of invitation. I want to challenge you as as Walt leads us in song. I I want you to not sing for a minute. And I just want you to pray to the Lord. Lord, what would you have me to give? Starting with the tithe, 
but beyond that. Going beyond my means a little bit. Stretch me a little bit, Lord. What would you have me to give? And how would you have me to give it? And then commit to that. Whatever the Lord sets upon your heart, you commit to that. And this year, you give graciously unto the Lord. Be a gracious giver. Don't be consumed by worldly greed. But be a gracious giver. Model gracious giving and of course gracious giving starts by experiencing God's gracious gift in your life if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ if you never received the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ then you can never truly experience gracious giving yourself you need to start by experiencing God's gracious gift even in your own life. Christ Jesus came and he gave himself up for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He paid the penalty for you in your place. And if you trust in him, he, he, he's holding the gift out there. He's saying, uh, here it is. I, I'm giving it to you. There's, there, you don't have to give. You don't have to do anything else. All you have to do is receive it. Receive God's gift of salvation today. Experience His gracious gift in your own life. And from that, let that overflow in gracious giving to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the gracious gift that You have given us in Christ Jesus. Lord, it's only because of what You've done for us in Christ and what you do for us on a daily basis and supplying our own need Lord it's only because of you that we are even able to give anything so father let us all start there and let us give thanks to you for all that you do for us every day and from a wealth of your grace Lord let us be gracious givers Lord if there's any today who've never trusted in Jesus never looked to Christ and received the gift of salvation that you provide for us in him Lord let them see Christ today let them receive your grace and then from that let them give thanks become gracious givers themselves. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.